this is Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization engaging the public on critical quality of life issues so we make informed choices for our community's future. Visit us on the web at seavilletomorrow.org. On November 7, 2017, voters in the Jack Jewett Magisterial District go to the polls to elect their representative to the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors. This recording is Jeremy DeMaro's October 12, 2017 interview with Diantha McKeel. McKeel, the incumbent Democrat, is unopposed. Ms. McKeel, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville Tomorrow. The complete audio recording and written transcript for this interview will be available online. Information from this interview will be used in the compilation of the Nonpartisan Voter Guide being produced by Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow does not endorse any candidates, and our goal is, for, is to provide information to the public so they can make an informed vote on issues primarily related to land use, transportation, public education, and community design. As you are aware, the first two questions you will be asked have been provided in advance. For the others, you have been provided only the topic in advance. All supervisor candidates will be asked the same questions. We ask that you keep these questions confidential until all candidates have been interviewed. Each candidate will be provided an opportunity to review the excerpt selected for the voter guide before its publication. Are you ready to start? I am. Question number one. Please describe your past experience that qualifies you to be on Albemarle Board of Supervisors. After 20 years of service to the Jack Jewett District residents, and I've been a four-time elected member of the Almar County School Board, and I've served one elected term on the Board of Supervisors. I believe I'm uniquely positioned. I currently serve as the Board of Supervisors Chair. On the school board, I had oversight responsibility for 26 schools, 13,000 students, and an annual operating budget of $155 million. As a supervisor, I have responsibility for 107,000 residents in an annual operating and capital budget of about 900, I'm sorry, $398 million. I'm a member of the Police Anti-Gang Task Force, the Java Board, a board liaison to the Citizen Police Advisory Committee, the Charlottesville Almoral University of Virginia Planning and Coordinating Council, also known as PAC. Piedmont Workforce Network Council, and I represent the county on VDOT's Hydraulic Route 29 Area Planning Advisory Panel. I'm an organizer and leader for 21 years of a local Adopt-A-Highway pickup team, and I grew up in a small business family and led the Elmore County School Division to join uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Years ago, I retired from the region's largest employer the University of Virginia as a clinical research coordinator. I'm a former teacher who holds an LPN degree and a clinical research certification and a graduate of Bridgewater College with a major in education and sociology. So I have a broad range of experiences and um, familiarity with county government, the county, the school system, uh, and my residents in my, in my community. Question number two. What is your top priority for action by the Board of Supervisors if you are elected? I would describe my top priority 
as continuing to lift the quality of life for all the residents in Albemarle County. Um, I'd like to do that through regional and um, county partnerships and innovative programming that achieve economic growth, um, specifically uh, targeted economic growth and a more diverse tax base. We have transportation and housing needs. We need to preserve our rural areas. We need to deliver high-quality public education and um, safety services. And so my responsibility is to ensure that government achieves those goals by being fair to our residents, inclusive, nonpartisan, and cost-effective. Question number three. Name both the revenue item and the expense item in the county budget that you are concerned about, and tell us why. I am. Ex I am, and I'm going to be a little broad with in answering these questions. This, this specific question, I'm concerned about our revenues in the county. Um, when you look at the last three out of four budget cycles, we've had to raise property taxes in the county to provide services for our community. Um, a, a healthy community's tax base is supported by about, I think data and studies will show, about a 30 to 35 percent um, of the revenue should come from businesses. In a good year, Albemarle County is receiving about 20 to 22 percent from businesses. So I, from the, revenue, or from the uh, revenue side, what I'm really looking at is economic development within our development areas in order to bring in revenues for our community. As a growing, urbanizing community, we are really seeing um, infrastructure needs that need to be paid for, as well as changes in our school demographics. So we have a lot of service um, needs in our community, and we just cannot continue to pay for those services at the expense of our property owners. So that's a, not a specific area. It's a much broader area, but I am looking at um, increasing our um, revenues through economic development, targeted economic development. And then the other part of the question was, um, Expenses, mm -hmm. I think, was about yeah. expenses. One of the things that I really um, am looking at for this coming budget cycle, we our safety um, force, both police and fire and rescue, safety officers and our ECC, um, Emergency Communication Center as well, um, have been struggling to retain and hire um, employees, police officers, fire and rescue officers. I am looking at, um, right now, a separate pay scale for them. They currently are on the same pay scale as our classified employees. And th this separate pay scale is going to be coming to us this year as a proposal, and I'm strongly looking at that. I would be concerned if it didn't pass, um, I, we have localities in Virginia that are, are um, have a separate pay scale for their safety um, officers, and I think it is really critical uh, for the county to move in that direction. Question number four. 
Should the board make boundary adjustments for Albemarle County's designated growth areas to create new locations for business on land that is today in the rural area? Why or why not? Uh, I support the county's land use policy right now of designated growth areas. And a, as you all know, 5%, I think you mentioned that in the question. Did you mention that in the question? Well, 5% of our um, a, a land is in our um, growth area, and I support maintaining those um, boundaries right now. Our comp plan and the build-out for our comp plan shows that we have enough land in our development area to support our growth through 2035. The growth that we're currently, the, and we're using growth figures from Weldon Cooper Center. Um, if we develop at the high density level in, in, those, in the growth area, we have enough land to support us through 2045. So I think we have existing land available right now within our growth area to do what we need to do. Um, and I'm anxious to get to some of our old, um, worn out um, shopping areas. We have empty buildings. We need to concentrate on those, um, those areas in our growth area. Question number five. City, county, and UVA officials meet regularly to discuss issues of mutual interest as part of the Planning and Coordination Council, or PAC. What is one specific area of cooperation involving the university that you would like to see addressed? I think specifically right now, based on our work around economic development, the university, through the PAC meetings have reached out to both Charlottesville and Albemarle um, with a willingness to um, partner with us around economic development. I think at this time that could be very exciting. That's a first for our community. Um, the university has, a, has the research park up 29 North and they're very interested in trying to, to work with the research park and get it going. It's been pretty quiet and um, hasn't been expanding. Or the build-out has been pretty slow over the last 10 years. I think they're eager to, to um, partner with us around that. Uh, and there are other opportunities that um, the university and Charlottesville and Alvaro could partner on through PAC around economic development. Um, I think what's happened to some degree is that the university has seen some brain drain from their entrepreneurs and some of their faculty that are wanting to start businesses and um, they just haven't been able to find a location. So if we all work together, we certainly have the ability to support those, those entrepreneurs from UVA. Question number six. While there are many areas of city-county cooperation, such as water and sewer services, schools, the airport, and the regional jail, there is currently tension over issues that range from bikes at the Ragged Mountain Natural Area, the subject of a lawsuit, to the future location of Albemarle's court facilities. What do you attribute this tension to, and what will you do to promote mutually beneficial relations? From the... 50,000 feet up in the, in the sky, I think the tension that you see between Charlottesville and Albemarle is a result of the structure that the state of Virginia has 
for our um, counties and our cities. It's a very unusual structure in that cities in Virginia have a, an independent status. And um, I think that that just creates a natural tension between cities and counties. In a perfect world, um, if I was queen, <laughs> I, uh, Charlottesville and Albemarle would be one community. I think most of our um, residents don't even know where the necessarily the lines are drawn. Um, but we operate under um, a, a state government that creates um, very strong independent cities and counties that have to go to the General Assembly under the Dillon Rule for everything we want to do. We have to say, Mother, may I, to the General Assembly for almost everything. So it sets us up as um, you have a situation where Almar County completely surrounds the city, and it, that um, state governance really sets us up at times for um, um, disputes. And it's interesting that you mention that because you're saying, you're talking about the bikes. Uh, your question was about bikes at Ragged Mountain Natural Area, the subject of a lawsuit. And I'm, I'm going to talk about this a minute because it's a good example. The lawsuit between the city and the county is really not about biking at all. It's about the fact that the city is an independent um, entity and owns the land at Ragged Mountain, but it's located in Albemarle County. The land is located in Albemarle County. So as an independent city, Charlottesville has said that their ordinances should apply at Ragged Mountain. Albemarle County is where the, the property is located. So what we've said is that no, because it's in Albemarle County, our ordinances apply. Albemarle County hasn't even talked about whether or not we're, we're interested in allowing biking at Ragged Mountain. What you have right now is a lawsuit that's a constitutional question about um, governance. Um, in essentially, what the city is doing is would be called annexation by purchase. So it gets back to the independent city status and Albemarle County being a county. Does a city have, the in, with an independent status, the ability to um, the same ability as the state of Virginia to do what they want within Albemarle County. Our argument is that just because they're a city doesn't mean that their ordinances would apply in Albemarle County. So the city and the county, in all honesty, are not, we're not at odds with each other over this particular lawsuit. We have both agreed that that is a constitutional question that can only be answered by the courts. But it is an example of how an independent city status sets us up a little bit with a, uh, um, with a county around it to have some tensions at times. And tensions at times that the, it's hard for the public to understand. They think we're fighting when the truth of the matter is that we just have these um, statutory um, conflicts that have to be resolved. Let me make sure I've answered your question, though. So what do you attribute this tension to, and what, what do you 
do to promote mutual beneficial relations. Um, to promote the mutually beneficial relations, let's talk a little bit about um, we had we just over the last two years, um, the city and the county came together and um, signed off on five memorandums of understanding. So what I'm hoping to, to see is those five memorandums of understanding really um, used to the best um, that we can to make life and the quality of life in both Almoral and Charlottesville better through those memorandums. One is about re, um, redevelopment and affor affordable housing. One is about around economic development. Education is the third one. Transportation is the fourth one. And the fifth one is, um, what, if I'm, what am I missing? The environment. The environment. So I would like to take those five memorandums of understanding and work with the city to really um, uh, better collaborate around those five areas that are really critical to our community. The environmental one is especially important right now because um, any work that the city does on its own or the county does on its own around climate change and addressing the impacts of climate change really, <laughs> if we don't work it together as a, a when partnership is a is a regional problem, then it, it's not no it's not going to be anywhere near as effective. I guess I could go on for a lot longer, but I'll stop with that. <laughs> Question number seven: What would you like to see change about the way the board of supervisors and the county executive do business, both at its meetings and outside the public eye? Oh, it's an interesting question because, to be honest with you, as chair and as a supervisor over the last four years, I think we really have a good relationship with our county executive. We have a very strong county executive form of government in Albemarle County. Um, I think it's worked very well for Albemarle. Um, I, there, we have just hired a new um, county executive who will come in, be coming to our community on November the 6th, I think is his first day. We're excited that, um, uh, uh, we're excited about his um, strengths, the strengths that he brings to our, uh, to our county around economic development. He has a lot of experience in reaching out to partners, um, so we're looking forward to his um, uh, ability to help us with regional partnerships, UVA, the city, as well as our Thomas Jefferson regional partners around the, the area. Um, so I, if I was going to say, if I was going to get into what do I think we need to improve, I think some of the problems that we have right now are very um, organizational problems like um, I would we we are, I've asked right now that the um, uh, that our staff look at our live streaming and our audio. We're having huge trouble with our audios in our meetings, and if our community can't, it's really important that our community be able to go on our and watch our meetings and live streaming and hear the audio. So that's a real 
barrier for the community when our systems are constantly down or our um, audio is bad. So um, that seems like a small problem, but it's huge when you're trying to communicate to your public. We're working on that, but that is one thing that really jumps to mind just because um, it really affects our interface with our community. Um, and I am looking forward to um, our Jeff Richardson, our new county executive, coming because I think he's going to amp up our um, presence in the community. I do have some concern that um, while we have a very active engagement by our community, it's from a very it's very from a very small segment of the community um, and special interest groups and I think that's natural um, for example the biking community and I'm not using that in the pejorative but you know special interest groups um, as issues come forward they the, the, the interest groups pop up and I understand that but I would really like to have a, um, at least information out into our community, into the broader community. Um, one of the problems we have with that is that we have really, uh, our broadband access is very lacking. That really needs to, um, to be expanded as best we can. We're working on that, um, but we are recognizing that 726 square miles, um, we have access and non-access depending on uh, where you're going and what, whether you're talking about cellular or, or broadband or um, uh, even just inter just basic it, being able to pull up uh, and access the internet. Question number eight. If elected, what will you do to help our community move forward in the aftermath of this past summer's violent demonstrations and how will you seek to best represent and effectively serve our economically and racially diverse communities? For me, all successful paths um, lead from education. And um, we have to deal with our community's systemic inequalities through, in my opinion, education. We have um, a real gap, and I'm speaking right now for Albemarle County, but we certainly have a gap in quality daycare for our young people and high quality pre-K education, even to the, um, so for me, I think education is where we have where we have to start. Um, we're striving to do that in Albemarle County. We, uh, um, I know the school division has been looking at, for example, um, how to improve the uh, improve the ability for parents to even have access to after school care. Um, the United Way has done a wonderful job on a, with a partnership around trying to improve our pre-K offerings. But all of these um, efforts so far need, have a long ways to go in really reaching out. The University of Virginia's employees, the, the number one reason that their employees don't make it to work, 
It's because of lack of child care. A great number of our constituents can't take jobs because of child care, or they need, they, uh, so we really, um, I think it really starts with education um, from the from the very young ages with our, our young children and uh, providing opportunities through transit. If you can't get to uh, an edu- like if you can't get to PVCC on a bus uh, because you don't have a car, if you can't get to a job, so part of um, part of this uh, struggle in our community is really providing access for not only education but for just basic transit availabilities um, and also things that, you know, items that increase the quality of life for folks. But we're working on a transit partnership with the city right now. Um, i give you an example. I have a constituent that lives um, on, off of, on, on, on Ivy Road. And for people that are in the community, they know Ivy Road and Hydraulic Road. Their social worker called me a few few months ago and said that um, in order for them to take a job and get from Ivy Road to Hydraulic Road, they had to ride seven buses round trip. Now, that's not, you you can't uh, obviously take a job if that's the the situation you're in. So the the transit partnership that Charlottesville and Albemarle have just come together and agreed to to form along with the University of Virginia is going to be huge for this community in enabling um, many of our citizens to be able to 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 get to um, jobs and educational opportunities. I think that's where you start. Question number nine: How would you describe the challenges and opportunities facing Albemarle County's rural farms, fields, and forests? Our rural areas are really critical to um, to actually to our economy. Everyone thinks about um, our development areas as to where our businesses are, but our rural areas contain a lot of our um, businesses as well: cattle, um, agriculture. Um, we have, gracious knows, I don't even know how many vineyards we have and now distilleries. Many of those are in our rural area. So the challenge, I think, in the rural area is how to balance our scenic, um, beautiful areas that our visitors love to see and we want, and our constituents, me, you know, my constituents and residents really want those wonderful rolling vistas that we're known for and still allow the businesses in our rural area to thrive because, of course, many of these businesses bring in traffic, they bring in more noise, they bring in events. So there has to be a balance of how to support the the rural area. Um, I think there's a sense that some sometimes in Albemarle that growth doesn't happen at all in the rural areas, when in fact it does. <laughs> it's just a different type of growth. And so we have to support that balance. 
We also are looking at um, how to protect our streams right now. That affects our farmers. We have to be fair with um, uh, how we're going to change our regulations to make sure that um, our streams are protected from cattle and from sediment while still making sure that farmers can afford to, to keep their farms and to farm. So there is a balance and there is a, 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 there's some tension, there's no doubt. Question number 10. What is your top transportation priority and how will it be funded? In 2007, when the economy kind of tanked, Albemarle County really backed off from supporting infrastructure in our, especially in our urbanizing area, our, our um, um, urban area that was really growing. And so we have a lots of needs, uh, infrastructure needs, roads, sidewalks, bicycle connections, um, pedestrian connections, as well as transit. Um, so we're looking at all of these areas right now through specific projects. It's very difficult for me to say what my high, my, my, I think you're asking my top transportation priority. Right now I'm working on the hydraulic intersection and that entire area with the city because we fixed <laughs> um, this year the Rio Road intersection along 29 North with a new intersection as well as we've now um, completed many parallel roads. Going back to hydraulic is the last lin linchpin in that particular um, effort to keep traffic moving on 29 because it's a major art state um, highway while allowing our local folks to still access um, businesses and, and businesses in that area. So that's a, a critical need right now because um, uh, without that, all the work at RIO uh, is, well, it's wonderful. The, the combination of hydraulic and RIO working together is really what we need. At the same time, another transportation priority for mine is the transit, as I just talked about, trying to figure out how to um, make transit in our community um, uh, better for our urban ring area that surrounds the city. And um, let's see. Um, I guess that's probably enough. And how will they be funded? Let me go back to that. So the hydraulic intersection work will be funded through state and federal monies. If people think about it as VDOT funding, but it really is mostly federal money coming through to, to the state. Um, uh, we will be applying for what's called smart scale funding through uh, and next spring for that project. So that's how, um, so in order to get our local traffic problems solved around hydraulic, we also have to make sure that traffic moves through hydraulic on the state road because that's what's going to enable us to get the money from the state. Um, the transit partnership with the city is a little different. Um, I believe if we, if we can somehow or another come together as two communities and work with Jaunt and CAT, 
our two known transportation um, organizations, as well as UTS from the university. We, if we all look at it as one under one big umbrella, I think there are a lot of efficiencies to be wrung out of our transportation um, transit operation, um, as well as getting some buses off the road and improving our environmental concerns and just plain getting people out of cars. Um, so I think those, uh, as far as transit, I think those efficiencies could will produce, I think we'll be amazed at how much money we could save as a community if we partner together both over transit. Diantha McKeel, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville tomorrow. You're more than welcome. It was fun. <laughs>